This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and an executive coach, and today I am so excited to welcome Karen Dillon to the show. Karen will teach us how to recognize and manage micro stress. The small moments of stress that seem manageable on their own, but embed themselves in our mind and accrue over time. Karen, welcome. Thank you, Caroline. I'm really glad to be here. Oh my goodness. I absolutely love this book and I learned so much and I want our global audience to learn from you today. This is a new concept for me. Tell us what micro stress is. And if you would give an example or two. So microstress is a word we ourselves had to figure out to come up with to describe something that I think we all feel but never had the language for and didn't really understand what we meant, what was happening to us. Microstress are small moments of stress caused by other people in your day-to-day life, not horrible, bad people, people who are in your family or your colleagues or people you work closely with, people you connect with on a day-to-day basis that, that trigger small moments of stress that end up having a much more lasting effect. They pile up over time. So what might seem like inconsequential moments of stress, micro stress during a given day, you might have 20 of them. And by the time you get home, you're exhausted, but you can't quite imagine or remember why. That's what micro stress is. Things that are so small, your mind literally barely remembers or or processes it, but your body does. And so you're stressed out from the battering of micro stress, but you may literally not remember what happened. Wow, it's like the the paper cut effect, right? That's exactly the cumulative. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Now, Karen, you and your co-author Rob Cross interviewed, I think it was over 300 people from 30 global companies, men and women. I'd love to hear a bit about that research and what it yielded. Yes, we interviewed 300 people who were designated as high performers by their own organizations in global organizations. So we started with a group of people who we thought Uh, were known because they were so effective at their job. They were high performers. They were doing really well. They were identified by their own companies as high performers. And originally the research was around Rob's deep area expertise, which is collaboration. And he was trying to look at how people who are the most effective at their jobs collaborate and network with other people. But as we began the research, we actually started to pick up on something else and it became fascinating to us. And we pivoted the research to focus this, which was microstress. And, and what, we, what we discovered as we were talking to people is it started with the story of one woman who was proudly, proudly talking about how she was in the best shape of her life. And she had gotten to the point where she was doing marathons with her husband on vacation. That was how they planned their vacations. And we were not surprised. She was a high achiever, a, a, a type A person. But she talked about how she was proud of having gotten back in shape after having been out of shape and out of control of her physical self for such a long time. And sort of on a whim, we said, well, what had happened? You're a high achiever by nature. That's who you are. What had happened to get you so off track in the first place? And she paused and she thought about it. And she finally just came back and said, just life, I guess. And so we began asking a similar question to the other high achievers that we were talking about, the high performers. And it became clear as we got sort of partway into the interviews, the kind of 
bravado of everything going well and the perfect life and I juggle it better than everybody else and yes I'm a high performer started to make way for cracks where we realized that a lot of these people who were to the world you know the sort of best of the best of the best sir uh, were actually kind of hanging on by a thread they, they were on the edge of burning out they were exhausted they themselves didn't sort of like how their life was playing out but they didn't even quite recognize it in themselves until we started to ask some questions so we pivoted the research from being about how high performers collaborate and network to the topic of microstress. And we just found a tsunami <laughs> of people oh. dealing with microstress. And, and we thought to ourselves, if these people who are really good at their jobs and really high performers are barely hanging on by a thread, what about the rest of us who may not be as naturally gifted as they are? So it, it became a sort of a deep dive into the topic of microstress and, and what we could recognize about what was happening to all of us. Well, it's interesting too that you use the word tsunami because I want to contextualize for this audience that the research was done from 2019 to 2021. So right in the heart of a global pandemic as well. Did that impact micro stress? It definitely did, but it was started before. So we had a really kind of good baseline and then we could see what happened in the pandemic. And then even now, not in the formal research, we can see what happens afterwards, but it absolutely did. I'll give you one example of micro stress that most of us face during the pandemic. So many of us were working from home and there were attempts to make it uh, to make it easier for us to not have to go into the office and to stay in touch with people. And many companies had the bright idea of let's not have one hour meetings. Let's, let's do half hour meetings. That's better for everybody. And so what for many people had been a day filled with seven or eight one hour meetings became a day filled with 16 half hour meetings. And suddenly you're, you're on all the time and having all the to do's and all the connections and all the needing to look perky and engaged in, in 16 different meetings than you might have been in, in seven or eight that were in person before. Um, there were many ways that we tried to stay connected during the pandemic that actually just added stress. I, I remember talking to one uh, person who was a very senior person in a leading manufacturing organization. And she talked about how she found her kind of personal low was when she was on a Zoom call trying to make it look like she was handling this all and we're doing everything virtually, we can do this. And her child came in who was doing school from home during the pandemic. And I don't remember, let's just say an eight-year-old and her child kind of wandered into the room and she did a really aggressive get out with her, with her hand, gesture with her hand, like, don't come on screen, don't come on screen. And then she thought to herself, like she just, you know, she was crushed. Like that's, that's what I'm projecting both to my team that this is so that, that you cannot have this balance between work and, and, and life into my child. And it was kind of, we, we were all kind of ratcheted up Microstress was, you know, was daily for all of us during the pandemic on top of the work that we do. So yes, the pandemic made it worse. And I think maybe worse still is that a lot of those practices that were initiated during the pandemic to help us get through are kind of kind of stuck. And uh, we're still experiencing a lot of the stress of the pandemic, even though we're not in crisis mode, but it still doesn't feel easier. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, that story is so relatable. We, we've all had some kind of experience in that that Zoom pandemic mode that, um, you know, the dog starts barking or the kid walks in or life happened in real time while we were sheltering in place. You know, I read an interesting um article about the World Health Organization saying that burnout is higher than ever and stress levels are through the roof as we navigate the post-pandemic journey. So you did you see that in your research? I know technically the research ended in 2021, but the, the book is is brand new. 
We, we did. We really did. And it's not, again, it's not unique to the pandemic. It's a trend that's been happening for a while, but it's really pretty bad. There, there are the, the percentage of people who say they are thriving in their current life, their work in life um, is getting smaller and smaller every year. I think we hit the first, the lowest point Gallup polls every year globally. And I think last year was the lowest point so far on record. Um, the percentage of people who say they have a close personal friend in their life has gotten really small. Just all yeah. of the indications of kind of overall well-being have gotten much worse pre and during and post-pandemic, and the trend is continuing. So how do you know if you're dealing with micro-stress? Because the term, admittedly, is new in the lexicon. So how, how do we know? Well, I'm going to tell you you are, because we all are. So I'm just take it as a given. We all are. But okay. to understand what it is, I, I think it's just, it takes sort of stock of in a given day, are there in brief interactions that you have with other people that linger and, and cause you a little bit of lingering stress. And I'll give you an example. In, in the book and in our research, we categorize microstress in three different categories, and some are easier to spot than others. The, the easiest to spot are microstresses that are draining your capacity to get things done. So this would be, for example, at work, one of your colleagues falls a bit short on a project you're working on. You have to, you know, sort of pick up the extra tiny bit of slack or you miscommunicate or you misaligned in some way with the team. And then you have to figure out how do we get back in alignment? Did I just waste the work that I've done? The, all the things that kind of eat into your ability to get things done, both at work and at home. That just happens to all of us. But those are micro stresses that drain your capacity to get things done. And you can almost see it on your calendar. How stressful does your day? How busy is, is your day? I know when I used to be in a full-time job, job, uh, I would have days where I didn't feel like I could start work, air quotes, until after five because I had meetings all day. My capacity to get things done was dramatically impacted by the fact that my calendar was completely full, no gaps between it all day long. Those are micro stresses that, that drain your capacity. But the ones that are sneakier that take as big a toll, but maybe you're not aware of them, are micro stresses that deplete your emotional reserves. And again, microstress is not from a really, truly toxic person in your life or someone, you know, going through a major stressful life event like a divorce or death in the family. Something that might deplete your emotional reserves is as a manager, you care about your team and you feel responsible for them. So even during the pandemic, the, the woman whose child came in, it was a great example of she was trying to read the visual cues. Like, how is my team doing? Can I tell? What if someone seems disengaged on this? Are they doing okay? Are they speaking up enough in meetings when other people are here? That's a micro stress because you kind of can't put that down. You, you care about your team and you wear that stress. You, you bring that stress with you. Or if you are if subjected to secondhand stress, right? Somebody on your team is stressed out all the time. We all know people like that who kind of spray stress in the atmosphere and we can't help but absorb it. That's not a terrible thing, but it affects us. And that affects and depletes your emotional reserves, the your sort of emotional ability to get through your day intact. And the final category is one that I think people don't think about as much, but it happens to us all is micro stresses that challenge your identity. This doesn't make me feel good about who I am. Maybe I feel like I'm not being a good mom in that moment. That challenge, that little micro stress of dealing with that moment poorly with my child challenged my identity of who I think I am. Or you, you get, who doesn't do this? You, you get into a kind of a curt exchange of words with your spouse on your way out the door to work in the morning. And your kind of whole day is ruined by that. That's one where you feel like I'm not a good partner or I'm not being my best self. So micro stresses infiltrate the whole range of activities in your day, your emotional reserves and your sense of self. And we all face those. We do. My goodness, secondhand stress, another new term. Karen, we'll be right back after a quick break. 
I'd like to tell you about a special offer. If you want to bring your podcast to life or up your podcast game, you can get up to two months of free podcasting service with Libsyn using my special code CDHWORK. The Libsyn team will get your podcast on Apple and Spotify and give you access to critical stats and all the support you need to sound your best and grow your show. Use my special code CDHWORK. Hiring the right speaker for your event is a tremendous responsibility. You need a speaker who will work within your budget and engage your audience. Whether you're looking to retain or grow top talent, create a healthy workplace culture, or prevent burnout in your organization, I can create customized content to help you recharge, reignite, or reinvent your career. Let's talk about how I can help you achieve your special event goals. Connect with me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. Okay, Karen, so we've got secondhand stress, we've got the tsunami of stress and the cumulative effect. How how do we start to rectify this? Because it, it seems a bit overwhelming, but having read the book, I know there is a solution. So let's share the, the light at the end of the stress tunnel here. There are two components, two ways to think about mitigating this. So first of all, we recognize you can't get rid of all the micro stress in your life. I wish we could. We can't. You can't. It, it is a tsunami. It is out there. But in our research, we found that even changing a few small things could really make a material difference. So one sort of exercise we suggest that people do is to identify the, the list of micro stresses that you think you're dealing with that just happen in your life, they chronicle them and where they're coming from. And once you've kind of thought about that, um, and you can find a worksheet for, for doing this exercise on HBR. It's the Big Idea article this month. We have a sort of summary of the book, and we have a, a worksheet that you can print out and, and fill out for yourself. Go through it and identify two or three things only. That's, a, that's enough of a bite that if you push back on, you found a way to say, I need to do this differently. I, can't, I, I need you not to come to me this way when you're, feel, when you're being stressful for the rest of us. It sort of affects our work day. Can we talk about it at a designated time or whatever? Figure out ways you can push back on two or three. That could make a really big difference just in your day-to-day -day life. But the kind of sneaky one that people don't think about is, which will affect you as well is think about where you are causing micro stress for other people, probably unintentionally, but you probably are doing it to other people too, without thinking about it. And, and in our research, we saw that micro stress that we cause others almost always boomerangs back on us in some way. An employee who burns out because you haven't sort of taken into account the, the workload that you're giving them or you being difficult with someone unnecessarily and then maybe they'll boomerang back and being difficult back on you. If you can identify a couple of ways that you are triggering micro stress and stop, that will really help a lot too. And then the final thing is maybe pick two or three micro stresses that you just have to rise above. You, they're not going to last forever. It's not the worst thing that happens. You're obsessing about something. Just literally get over it. Rise above it. Not because you're Pollyannish, because you're practical. I'm not going to worry about this anymore. It will get done. I'm not going to let this sort of drag me down today because that, that loses time in my day, et cetera. So I call it a two, two, two strategy. Pick two things that you think you can push back on, just two, two things that you need to stop doing 
and two things that just choose to rise above because your life will be better if you do that. That's that's the first step is identifying and, and having a little concrete strategy to make it better. And I want to rearticulate the article that you mentioned that is in the Harvard Business Review, also known as HBR, but for our global audience, the Harvard Business Review. And the article that Karen is referencing is her piece called The Hidden Toll of Micro Stresses. Karen, something I learned reading your book is that micro-stress, pardon me, comes from the people that we're closest to, our family, our friends, our close colleagues at work. So what does that say? What did you learn about that in the research? It's really interesting because, again, it's easy to sort of attribute stress coming from bad guys in our life in some way, a toxic boss, toxic relationship, a really jerky client. But because the people who are closest to both we interact with most um, and because there's emotional connection to the people we're closest to, colleagues and and family and friends, um, it just becomes more complicated and it it layers down. And there's actually research, neurological research that suggests the people we care most about are the ones who most affect our biology, literally being around a person you love who is stressed, your breathing will start to match their breathing. Your heart rate will start to match their heart rate. And and the reverse is true too. We can be with someone we care about and and adopt their calmer demeanor and their heart rate slowing down and their voice slowing down. But the people we're closest to can actually trigger the most microstress, but they can also be very helpful in our microstress. So it's interesting. We are literally sort of physiologically connected to the people we're closest to and microstress is part of where we see that happening. And my understanding is talk about it, right? Talk about it at home, talk about it at work. So everybody has an understanding of what's happening. It's that classic scenario of sometimes you you push your your loved one's buttons, if you will. And, and if we have a renewed sense of awareness, we can approach it with more compassion. One of the things we learned also from our research that's really interesting is that for so many of us, our days are layered with microstress all day long. And so it's kind of like you're, I liken it to a glass that's almost overflowing. And by the time you get home, you add two more drops of microstress and the glass starts oh. to spill over. So we tend to be, you know, more, it tends to be more difficult with people, with our families, people we care most about, not because what they did pushes our buttons more than anyone else, but it's like the final push of the button. And so I'd say be kinder to ourselves and be kinder to them that knowing that that's just how it is. Life happens and it builds up in the day. So maybe again, talking about it, um, acknowledging it and finding kind of more constructive conversations and more constructive activities together, add some positives into that. So you're not just always coming home and having the most sort of the final stresses of the day make you not the version of yourself you want to be. You, you can definitely put it to a more positive place. Karen, one more thing I want to ask you about before we we wrap. You, you talked about the really smart idea of also expanding your network, if you will, your community, your relationships. So you are interacting with different people than you come in contact with every day at work and at home. Tell me more. This is actually really important insight, and it came from from our research from the the, the handful of people. We started calling them the 10 percenters, the sort of people who were best at dealing with microstress, even though they were as successful as anyone else. They still had really vibrant careers, but they just were kind of living on a different plane. And we tried to figure out what are the 10 percenters doing really well. And one of the things they do really well is they 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 build what we call multidimensional lives. It's not that they need to have a bigger, huge social group than anyone else, but 
that they have other connections in their life that can be even in small ways that just kind of round out their life and add new dimensions to it. And it can be as simple as literally talking to your neighbors over the yard in the weekend or volunteering for some organization that you care about. We have a story in the book of someone who just felt like she made a human connection in the line at a CVS, a a pharmacy, trying to help an old man figure out how to get his COVID vaccine when he was overwhelmed by having to sign up online and things like that. Did they just look for ways to have small moments of connection with other people um, that bring them joy, help bring them different perspective of things? Sometimes it's even, it's somebody who can make you feel like, you know what, my problems are not that bad. I can put this all in perspective. So the way I think about it, and particularly for women, honestly, is it's not just nice to have connections and friends and activities you care about outside of your home life, because we can all get so consumed with work and home, you need to have it. It, it, It's going to make you a better parent, a better worker, a better spouse, if you have other things in your life that you care about that that are connected to other people. Um, And I think that's what we learn from the people who do this best. And you have to work to cultivate it because it doesn't magically happen, but it doesn't have to be huge but you have to work at it. Excellent insight. Karen Dillon, I learned so much from you and I truly enjoyed your book. Your co-author is Rob Cross and the book is called The Micro-Stress Effect, How Little Things Pile Up and Create Big Problems and What to Do About It. And of course, it's available on Amazon and all major book retailers. But Karen, if you'd be so kind as to share the website and some additional tools that we can access about the book. Yes, if you go to Rob Cross, R-O-B-C-R-O-S, org and you click on the link within there for the microstress effect, you'll see lots of tools, including how to identify and some explanations of the different categories of microstress and some videos on what you might think about doing about it. I think it'll be a helpful resource to people starting to get their head around. Am I dealing with microstress? I'm going to tell you yes, but what do I do about it? And I think you'll find some good resources there. Well, I'm so grateful for you. Give my best to Rob and Karen. I wish you great success with the book. Thank you for taking on this mission. You're right. We all experience it, but you've got solutions and I'm grateful. Thank you, Caroline. It's been a pleasure talking with you about this. You too. Your Working Life is now available on all major podcast platforms, and I want to hear from you, so let me know how we're doing. You can find me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. And I want to give a special shout out to my extraordinary podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. We now have listeners in 16 countries around the world. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.